0: Hello, New Hope, and welcome to our series, Mind and Soul, We Are Not Consumed, where we're talking about the idea and the importance of mental health. Now, personally, I like toast. I mean, I can eat toast for breakfast, obviously, for lunch, and I can just have toast, period, for dinner. You know, a good slice of Texas toast, you know, with a gob of butter on it is, like, perfect to me. I know, don't judge me, it's, it's not healthy, but I actually brought my toaster here today because my toaster reminds me another area of my health, and it has to do with my mental health. Because I know that if in my life, if I continue to press down my struggles with my emotions and my questioning, my struggles with certain experiences that I've had, either whether it's during the day or even in the past, if I continue to press it down, what I realize with my toaster is when I press it down, eventually it keeps popping up. And if I continue to try to press it down or even just hold it down, eventually it gets charred or the toast starts on fire. It's not good. It's really a picture of our mental health. This is why this morning today I invited Allison Zurich to be with us, who is a mental health professional, and she has her own private practice, River Counseling, and she, along with other professionals, have provided uh, great counseling since 2007. And so, Allison let me ask you right off the bat, how common is the analogy of the toaster and pressing down our stuff uh, a reality today? I mean, do you find that a lot of people keep pressing down their stuff?
1: Sure. It's a great question. Uh, I love the analogy and I would liken it to defense mechanisms. Our way of, um, our brain's way of when we don't know how to deal with something is it learns how to push it away. It's precisely what it does. And the first one that pops into my mind um, is denial, is that we try to push it away. And really it's the brain's way of trying to protect us from dealing with something until we're ready, until we feel safe.
0: Yeah. And so in our series on mind and soul, we are not consumed which is addressing mental health, we have been going through the book of Lamentations in the Old Testament. And the prophet Jeremiah is writing about uh, all his questioning that he has. He's writing about all his emotions he has. And he's not continually pressing it down. He's actually just letting it all out. He's not holding anything back. He's talking about what's taken place with the nation of Israel because the Babylonians have come in and destroyed literally Jerusalem, destroyed the temple and destroyed the people and taken those who are still alive to be slaves in Babylon. And so he's just pouring it all out. He's not stuffing it, pressing it down at all. We get a picture of this in Lamentations chapter 2, verse 19 and 20, where it says this. Arise, cry out in the night as the watches of the night begin. Pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. Lift up your minds, your hands, for the lives of your children who faint from hunger at every street corner. Look, Lord, and consider, who have you ever treated like this? Should women eat their offspring, the children they have cared for? Should priest and prophet be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord. Here, Jeremiah is crying out, and he's sharing the rawness of his heart with what he has experienced, what is going on. You know, he says, hey, arise with me. He's inviting the Israelites. Arise with me. Cry out in the night. Pour out your heart before the Lord. So, Allison, why is it so important for us to uh, pour out our hearts when we're struggling? And how important is it for us to talk about our questions or our experiences or even just our emotions? Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's very important. I think that people who, who aren't able to or who don't know how or who have never been in environments where that's promoted, I think that's where we find people who are uh, maybe stuck or get trapped in... Um, Uh, ways that their body might, we might get to this later, but our bodies will manifest what we don't put out. And so if we hold onto it, it can actually uh, manifest into other symptoms that cause all kinds of problems. It's very important.
0: Yeah. So I read statistically that actually 18 to 33-year-olds seem to suppress their challenges the most, and Mm -hmm. people over 50 seem to open up the most with their life experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read as well, nine out of 10 people downplay their emotions. Mm-hmm. I mean, honest, honestly, I mean, we mm-hmm. all walk around and people say, hey, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. What's our classic response? I'm oh, fine. Fine, good, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, is that pretty much what you see?
1: Uh, in the world? Yes. Yeah. In my clinic? No, right? But, but yeah, that's, people's, that's the general response because uh, to talk about anything deeper than that, Um, they either haven't learned that it's safe to do that or comfortable to do that. And I don't think our culture supports it. I think our culture supports, you know, that you have to look good, uh, be successful. Um, there's all these, uh, outward pressures that are put on us through advertising, through, you know, you need to have the right degree. You need to, you know, get married by a certain age. There's a lot of pressure that's put on people. And so if you fail or don't do well, or you're struggling or you cry every night or you're suicidal or, you know, you have these things that are real or high anxiety and you don't have any family members or anyone that you can talk to about that, then it doesn't, you're not going to talk about it because where am I going to talk about that with? People ask me, how are you? Well, if I told you I was crying every night and an anxious mess and feeling suicidal, you might not ever speak to me again.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of that commercial where the, the guy asks his friend, "Well, how are you doing?" Yeah. Well, I got this bad itch yeah. down here under <laughs> right. my belt and all that. Well, yeah. I really, yeah. I really don't want to know, that. Yeah. Yeah. Really
1: know mm-hmm. all that. Didn't want to really yeah. know all that stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, so what do you think are the top emotions that people struggle with the most, like actually revealing or sharing with others?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, really all of them, but I think that, for example, a person who displays anger they're not going to be able to necessarily control that so you're going to have somebody at the office who has what we might call you know impulsive anger problem and so they get written up they have to go to anger management classes right and they people like that don't have a lot of insight to why they get angry and that type of impulsive anger is we can see it in our homes with abusive families male or female um, that abusive anger um, is a is a real problem uh, you know when you instinctively kick the dog or hit somebody or slam a cupboard and you haven't put a lot of processing into why. Versus, and maybe the same is true with with crying or, or feelings of guilt or difficulty sleeping, right? All those things are signs and symptoms of depression. And some people don't know that. So if I were to be sharing about my emotions with somebody, um, you might not see that explosive popping out of the, out of the toaster reaction that's burnt or, uh, I forget the other word that you used, but, um, uh, so sadness, of course, uh, anxiety is huge, which is just a constant worrying. I call it looping where we get stuck in our mind on a certain subject and we're trying to, we we, actually, we're not trying, we're just looping. We're getting stuck in a thought pattern and we go round and round and round trying to figure out how to interject to fix it. And it's debilitating for some people. Hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, wow, it's interesting. So when it comes to the emotional side, and it probably depends on the person, so of course. Uh, you know, what they're going to uh, suppress or hold on to and what's going to come out of them mm-hmm. and that. But overall, society has taught us to hold on to it, to Keep pressing it down. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Real quickly on that is our culture has a really hard time with grieving death and loss. And in some cultures, it's appropriate to wail for days and uh, and like a period of mourning in which to yell out and to cry out is part of the culture. And in our culture, it's hush, 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 be quiet. So we have a huge problem with grief and mourning in our culture.
0: Right. Yeah, we probably all need just a good cry, mm-hmm, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, whether you like it or not. Yeah, they're it's good important. for us.
1: I call them showers for the soul.
0: <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. Sammy Nichols, a uh, writer, stated with his social media, hashtag talking about it. Mm-hmm. He put it out there because he wanted people to express more their struggles with mental illness and with their mental health. He states this reality is holding back thoughts and emotions is stressful. We have these negative feelings either way, but we have to work to repress them. Again, it's like the toaster. That can tax the brain and our body, right? Making us more susceptible to getting sick or just feeling awful. So what is the mental health danger of continuing to press down or repress or even maybe the physical dangers Mm -hmm. of not allowing the stuff within us to be poured out or to come out.
1: Sure, yeah. Um, I think, well, I know, I'm so relieved to hear new and better research coming out on this subject and having us talk more about that. And I think, um, for example, cancer in and of itself, um, we've learned so much about the impact of cancer on individuals and families. And uh, and I believe that there are some research uh, articles that, uh, that support and I don't have them, I'm sorry for that, but that support that certain cancers can be linked to certain events. I can speak personally, um, a sister, uh, I have a a half-sister who I didn't meet until later in my life, and she reached out to me and my dad, her dad as well, um, when she had been diagnosed with lung cancer, and she has since passed uh, just two years ago, but Mm -hmm. she went and saw, uh, and my dad left her when she was a baby and was with me when I was a baby. And so they didn't have a relationship growing up. So she went and she saw uh, some different doctors and one of the doctors asked her, do you have like a loss, like a major loss in your life? Because she never smoked. She was never around smokers and yet she got lung cancer. And somebody asked her about, do you have a loss, like a major loss? And she was like, no, no, not at all. And all of a sudden it occurred to her, well, the Lord led her to, uh, oh my gosh, my dad left me when I was a baby. And so this, this idea that a cancer could be linked to a loss that never gets processed and Mm -hmm. the body's trying to heal from that because God created our bodies to naturally heal. If I cut my arm, right, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go instinctively into healing that. Right. And it's the same with emotional wounds. If we get hurt as a child, our brain and our body will continually try to work through that until because it, it's seeking resolution. It's mm-hmm. seeking healing. And so that's amazing when you think about the body's power to do that. If we have unresolved trauma from being a child, really what the body is doing is trying to heal it. So we'll marry people who resemble the old trauma because we're trying, it's like, I want to fix what daddy did to me. I want to fix what mommy did to me. Hmm. So it's fascinating. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's very similar to probably, you know, we, if we break a bone, we have a way to set it and we cast it and it it heals. Boom. There. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to our mental health, mental illness, It's it's, it's hard. It's, it's not a simple fix and it's a longer process. Yeah. I mean, it, mm-hmm. and it could be a lifetime, yep. almost uh, years mm-hmm. in that. Do you find that Christians now uh, have a harder time or easier time seeking out help from others or confiding in others? Hmm. What's been your experience there, being involved with the church, following Christ as yourself?
1: Hmm. I think that the way I would, I think that could go two directions. I think that... Christians who are seeking God first and foremost, they, they've come to a place of recognizing that God is really my source. And so he is the one who is going to help me with this. And a person who maybe doesn't know that characteristic of God yet, they're going to still be searching, but they're going to be searching in places like drugs and alcohol, abusive relationships, Sort of the the song you know, looking for love in all the wrong places, um yep. and so um I think we're I think God created us to seek, He created us to long for connection, and so I don't think it matters, Christian or non-christian it's just they're always searching and and they'll find what it is that they're thinking that they're looking for,
0: yeah do you find that? Maybe Christians are more hesitant to get professional help mm. because they believe that well i it should I should just have faith
1: oh okay, I get where you're going with that um, I, I th- yeah i I think that there's a a thing that happens for a Christian where if I get help, then that means I'm not relying on my faith if I if I need help from somebody else, then I must be doing something wrong in my walk. And so until that person can recognize or see that God actually, I, I think, this is my opinion, is that God uses what I like to call people, or um, yeah, Jesus with skin on, is that that those of us who know Christ, we can become Jesus with skin on or love to a person in need. And so what if God created a, a therapist just for you to work through this issue, I think there, that, yes, I think some Christians miss that opportunity because of thinking they have to look like a good Christian and not have problems. But that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before of, I'm fine. Everybody does that, whether you're Christian or non-Christian. Right. It doesn't discriminate.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In in Jeremiah's writing, as he's expressing himself, I like his picture of pouring our our hearts uh, before mm-hmm. God and and it reminded me of one of my favorite psalms uh, in psalm sixty two eight where it says, "Trust in him at all times, you people, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge and you mm-hmm. know it really gives me this picture of uh, pouring everything out like letting God have it all hmm. and it's actually a picture of of pouring out soda to me where when we pour out soda into a glass you know we're we're pouring it all out we're not saying oh i'm going to hold back the sugar or you know i don't want as much caffeine i'll try to strain out the caffeine or all right you know i don't want the food coloring in there no i mean when we pour it out we're pouring it all out it's everything that's going in, and it's just this picture mm-hmm. of what God invites us to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting when I've counseled with some people, sometimes afterwards they'll get up and they'll say, boy, I'm so sorry, you know, I've just felt like I just threw up all over you, oh, right? Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, you know what, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. That, that's a good thing, mm-hmm. because it meant that, like, you just got it all out, yeah. right? And and how critical that is.
1: So important.
0: Yeah. So, Allison, I mean, God's a good place to start when it comes to our pouring out, mm-hmm. right? But how critical is it that we need other people? Whether it's, you know, pouring out to our spouse or pouring out to a close friend or pouring out to a good counselor. Mm-hmm. So we have God, but beyond that.
1: Sure. I think it's critical for us to have a handful of people that, I I use the word safe a lot at the beginning when I started talking today, it makes a difference who you talk to. If the person that you're talking to is able to empathize with you and be there with you in the pain and not criticize you or minimize your experience. That's what I would call a safe person. Somebody who can really just hear you, not try to fix or change you. Um, so not- you're not
0: talking about a husband here. <laughs> you're talking because yeah, right? you know? yeah, we're we're not very good at it. You're not you're not talking to men right now, right? So. <laughs>
1: So. I, I'm not going there. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'm not going there. Um, but that's a funny point, but actually it, uh, it makes a lot of sense. There's, there's truth there. there. Yeah, so yeah. you can I'm not just doing say marriage. it. You can, you can, can just, just say like, it. Right. Okay. 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 He's right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. We have to find safe people. We have to find people that, and so for, for a woman having, having a lot of girlfriends, because it might not be okay for me to talk to my husband because he might not know how, and that doesn't mean he doesn't love me. Um, it's just that he has a different way of, of dealing with my emotional issues. Um, there was something I learned once that I really liked, which is that Jesus gave us a picture of, uh, of 12 disciples for a reason. And that three of his, uh, 12 were like his closest confidants. And it's talked about in scripture that they were, they were closer to maybe the other 12, but that if we all sort of aimed to have 12 people, that if something happened to you or you were in a position of crisis, that you have 12 people that you could reach out to in the middle of the night that would, you know, help you or be there for you. And when I was first posed that question to me personally, um, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't think I have any, I don't, I was. I felt very alone. Um, I'm a mental health re- uh, professional for a reason, right? We all are. Like we go into this profession because we're working through our own stuff, and um, and so I thought that was great. That what a great thing to aim for is to have 12. People in your life that uh, that will be there for you, and so not every one of those twelve is going to offer you the exact same thing. It's going to be different, but yes, very important to have people. And if the people in your life are not safe or not people who you really can talk things through, that's why professional counseling is so important because that's what we're trained to do. We're trained to know how to listen in ways that. Um, that offer you a safe place. And I want if there's anyone who is watching this, who's ever tried professional counseling and it didn't go well for you, if you're with a therapist now that you don't feel comfortable with, or if you've never tried counseling before, please hear me right now. You do not have to stay in that room. If you get there and something feels funny in your gut or it's something's not right about how that's going, it's okay to just say, I, I would like to end this and find a different therapist because just like people, we are tr- attracted to different types of friendships and relationships and so people are different and therapists are different mm-hmm. and they have different backgrounds and some mm-hmm. therapists have worked through their own stuff. Some therapists have not and, and they should, but I'm not gonna sit here and judge them but we have a, a responsibility to our patients to know what our own stuff is and how that might trip us up. And so some therapists don't know how to do that. And that's that's okay, it's no problem. But just know that you as the patient, you get to decide and you get to pick a therapist that is gonna be um that's gonna hear you in a safe way and you're gonna feel like you're being heard, you're being understood, and that they're giving you new ways to think about things that will hopefully help you um to feel better emotionally, mentally. Um and then ultimately physically, uh, and hopefully guide you more and more towards uh, towards Christ within you um, through His love.
0: Yeah, and that's really the the big goal of pouring ourselves out is to to maintain health within our mind, our questioning, and then within our soul, our emotions, mm-hmm. and to have a good balance there. And by bringing our stuff to God, pouring it out, not pressing it down, by bringing our stuff to others as well, uh, that is going to provide that good mental health Mm -hmm. and is going to sustain us. Mm -hmm. So the act of sharing daily life can help us with our struggles. And what I'm hearing from you is that, hey, we are not alone. So so often people think, you know, I'm the only one struggling with this. Mm -hmm. Nobody else struggles with this. But in reality, we're all more alike yes. than different, right? Yeah. And we struggle with mental health. This is exactly, I think, the picture we get in Lamentations with the author Jeremiah is he's just pouring it out, uh, both his questioning and his emotions, so that the people of Israel can say, hey, I'm a prophet. I have all these questions and emotions just like you yeah. do. It's okay. Mm-hmm it's all right. Mm -hmm. Let it out. Mm -hmm. Let it go, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're not alone. Yeah, right. You're not the only one. Mm -hmm. But the critical key is that we don't continue to press it down. Mm -hmm. We pour it out. Yeah. And then I have the Twix bar here (laughs) because Twix has two bars in it. And the idea is share it with a friend, right?
1: Yeah.
0: This picture of, hey, what you got going on in your life Share it with a friend. Mm. I love what it says in Galatians six two. It says this: Share each other's burdens, mm-hmm. and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Mm. You know, this: the, share each other's burdens. It's it's mm-hmm. mutual, yeah. And that we are not alone,
1: right?
0: So, what Allison and myself want to encourage each one of us to do is to practice these. Three examples that I've brought today, really. Don't continue to press down your stuff. So the toaster, right? The soda, pour it all out. Let God have it. And then also the Twix bar, let other people have it as well. Share it with others around you that you can trust, that will be empathetic, that will listen as well. Mm-hmm. We see this in the example of Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations in chapter 2, and so it's a good practice for us as well. Mm -hmm. So let's pray. Mm -hmm. Father God, we thank you that you allow us to be real, and you've created us to have questions. You've created us to have emotion, and you desire it to pop out like toast, and to come out of us and to be poured out like soda before you and before others because you can handle it and you've put people in our lives who can handle it as well. And so I pray that we would be people who share our stuff and in so doing would keep a sound mind Mm -hmm. and a sound soul and that we would continually practice good mental health. Mm -hmm. So we pray your blessings over each one today in this area. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning Mm -hmm. at New Hope.